Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Stabbed 28 times, capped off with a gunshot wound to the head, left to die naked and decomposing in his shower stall. Ringing a bell? That was Travis Alexander. Young, handsome, educated the world before him. How did he end up there? Two words, Jody Arias. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. Jody Arias goes in front of a jury for not one but two trials as part of death penalty proceedings against her there in Arizona. But what are we learning about Jody Arias' life behind bars? Well, a lot. I hope you're sitting down. Joining me right now, along with Ashley Wilcott, juvenile judge, lawyer, founder of ChildCrimeWatch.com, Dr. Brian Russell, host of Investigation Discovery's hit series, Fatal Vows, renowned New York psychologist Karen Stark, Alexis Tereschuk, joining me from RadarOnline.com. Alexis, why won't she go away? Because she can't. She craves the attention of everybody. She says that she wants to just do good behind bars, but she doesn't. She still runs a Twitter account. She still writes to her fans. She cannot live outside of the spotlight. Let's go back in the courtroom. What happened, Alexis? Jody Arias created a circus in the courtroom when she took the stand. Everybody was stunned. I was. I know you were. And she was on there for days spinning her lies about Travis Alexander. Alexis, what can you tell me about Travis Alexander in life? What was he like? Travis was the nicest guy. He was a Mormon, the religion that he had committed himself to as he was older, And he was full of life. He had so many friends. He was a respected business guy. He was the one who had the whole house and had all the roommates. So everybody depended on Travis to take care of them. And that's what he did. He took care of everybody. He was funny. He was adventurous. He was always going on trips. And in fact, when he and Jody started dating, they went on a lot of trips together. Fun trips to waterfalls and to San Diego, lots of places. He was an up-and-coming entrepreneur. He had his own – he was running his own business through the organization, and he was really climbing up in the company because people liked him. He had a quick smile. His sister just said he was the nicest guy you would ever meet. Everybody that met him said he was so nice. And he was also struggling with his religion. He wanted to follow the tenets so strictly, but he also, like any other 
young person in their late 20s, early 30s, you know, he wanted to have sex with his girlfriend. It's interesting. I'm going to go to Karen Stark on this in a moment. But all of his friends and family that knew her did not want him to be with her. And I've questioned them about that repeatedly, saying, what was it about her? And they all said, I don't know. It was just a freaky, hinky feeling. She was just, we just thought she was weird and crazy. It, there was just something about her. Dr. Brian Russell, she's, many people believe, beautiful. She's got a beautiful face. Many people think she's got a beautiful body. I don't find her beautiful, but many people do. She's got tons of people writing her and sending her money behind bars. The thing is, when Travis Alexander, who I understand at the time was a devout Mormon, got tangled up with Jody Arias, at some point he wanted to break it off. He said things like he did not think they would ever get married. He wanted to start dating other people. She would have none of it. So she finds out he's going on a trip to Cozumel with another woman, and that just throws her into a fit. Drives literally across the desert. She's moved away with all the gas cans in her trunk so she doesn't have to stop to use her credit card or be on a surveillance video at a 7-Eleven. Gets to his home. They have crazy fetish sex all day, complete with photos, which were played over and over and over at trial. And then he still refuses to cancel the Cozumel date. And when that happens, she stabs him 29 times and shoots him in the head, leaving his body to decompose in the shower. Help me out, Dr. Brian Russell. I'm glad you just gave that rundown, Nancy, because, uh, you know, if she said she'd killed him while he was beating her, there'd be a, a self-defense argument. But physical evidence from the scene clearly suggested that didn't happen that way. I never saw solid evidence that he'd ever beaten her. Let's just look at the facts. As you accurately point out, Dr. Brian Russell, there were many ways, if it were indeed true, which no one but Arias says it's true, they were broken up. She had moved away hours away they were not living together they were never married they never had children nothing they had a fling he broke up she moved away scorned she left she was living somewhere else had a brand new place to live had a car uh, a job the works and they'd been apart for a while as a matter of fact i'm reading directly from the autopsy report travis alexander's jugular vein his throat was slit. The common carotid artery, the trachea, had been slashed. He had defensive wounds on his hand. He may have even been dead at the time she shot him in the head. Also, the crime scene revealed that when he first was stabbed, he realized he was dying. He stumbled to the bathroom mirror and actually looked in the mirror as he was dying. And we know this because of the blood evidence. There were drops, not spatter, not throwback, not transfer, drops of blood that dropped down from his neck and his nose and his face onto the sink as he looked into the mirror as he died. And he was left naked and bloody, bleeding out in the shower. As a matter of fact, it's really not even contested how he died. Listen to Jody Arias at trial admitting she slit his throat. Would you agree that you're the person who actually slit Mr. Alexander's throat from ear to ear? 
Yes. To Ashley Wilcott, a veteran trial lawyer and judge, it gives me no pleasure to replay the rendition of how Travis Alexander was murdered. He didn't see it coming. He had no idea what was about to happen. But we also know, Ashley, that at the beginning, she claimed that she wasn't there. She had nothing to do with it at all. Then when evidence turned up that she had been there, she actually claimed that ninjas showed up all dressed in black and for no reason burst into the home, stole nothing. She ran and saved her own life, but they killed Travis and left like shadows in the night. I mean, Ashley, really? Right, really. So she was lying from the get-go, obviously, with the story that she initially told with the ninjas. But here's what I love about our justice system. During this trial, it went from story to story to story to story. But as you just played, finally, on the stand, under oath, she admits she slit his throat, period. Yeah, and just like this, and just like that. And then shot him, cleaned up the scene as best she could, put a lot of clothes in the washer, including her digital camera. Hello. And on the camera to Karen Stark were actual photos. They had been, she had been taking sex photos the whole day. Okay. But forget about that. On the digital camera that she left in the washing machine are photos, we think, accidentally taken during Travis's murder. Karen Stark, New York psychologist, what about that? This is a person who really is not only a pathological liar, but has absolutely no guilt about anything that happened and documented it as it it was happening. Now, even if it was accidental, somehow she knew that she should wash things up, clean them up, despite the ninjas or whatever she was saying. And she very clearly is a psychopath who committed this murder. There is no doubt in my mind that she knew exactly what she was doing and that it had to do with rage and jealousy and her inability to let go of this man. Alexis Therese Chuck, RadarOnline.com. You also cover the case every single day. I was in the courtroom almost every day and was broadcasting from a couple of blocks away from the courthouse. The digital camera evidence to me is overwhelming. It places her there at the time of the murder in the room with Travis. It does. It's right up to and after she murders him. There's, there are pictures of him naked in the shower. He's got the water running over him. He's looking directly at the camera. These were not secret photos that he didn't know were being taken. Then there's the picture of his foot in the shower. And there's another picture of the blood on the floor. And they're taking, there's a timestamp so you can tell that they were taken just moments, literally less than two minutes after he was alive in the shower. She's taking pictures and then he's dead. She, when she went into her frenzy, her spree, killing spree, and stabbed him repeatedly. And the thing was, it, she also shot him, but the bullet casing was found on top of the blood. So what the evidence was presented in court is that there's no way she shot him first. Otherwise, that would be on the bottom and be covered with blood. It happened afterwards, and it wasn't disturbed. And this is everything that was shown on her camera. She didn't even take the camera with her. She stuck it in the washing machine. She left it there. It was so easy for everybody to find. From BBC Radio 4, 
Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried vaping, thought it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience, which means Zen pairs well with you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. talking about none other than Jody Arias to Alexis Trezchuk. Alexis, exactly where is Jody Arias housed? Has she been moved? What's the name of her correctional facility? And, and what do we know specifically about security there? Is it a pod? Does she have a roommate? Can she decorate her cell like a dorm room? So she is in the Perryville prison. She has not been moved. She entered there in 2015, April 13th, 2015. So she has been there just over four years. It is a very standard 12 by 7 cell, I believe, with a bed and a sink. She does not have a roommate because it is maximum security. She was convicted of murder in the first degree. She is classified. She cannot have any movement. And she's had a review every year since she's been there to maybe lower down the classification level of, of her risk assessment, never been lowered. It's gone from a five to a four, which is nothing at all. She doesn't, she's still in a maximum security prison. She does not have a lot of freedom or free, free will to walk around to see other people. She does a lot of herself, but she can decorate her cell. And she also has a television and she is able to watch TV and she watches it nonstop. And she spends most of her time in solitary confinement. That's the way this prison is designed in Arizona. It's, it's a pretty harsh prison for the worst of the killers in the state. And But she also has a job behind bars. She has been working in the library for almost a year now and she works uh, over 40 hours a week, but she makes a whopping 40 cents an hour. Alexis, what can you tell me about Jody Arias's life behind bars? Is it true she has dozens of love letters a day? Did nobody see Travis Alexander's decomposing body in the shower, no matter how many times I played it on HLN? What man in his right mind would seek out Jody Arias? What, do they want to be with a killer, or do they think she's innocent? These people out there, these men, 
are just bamboozled by her hair. It used to be, she used to be this bleached blonde, really buxom girl. Now behind bars, she has her natural brown hair. It's probably gray at this point. And they write her obsessively. She even has said, I cannot even respond to everybody who writes to me because I get so many fan letters a day, dozens of them. She has all of the things that she buys from the commissary in there, so she buys tons and tons of paper and envelopes so she can write to all of her fans. And the people tell her they love her and they believe that she's innocent and that she's going to get out. And then when she gets out, that they're going to maybe even get together with her. They are just fans. Alexis, how do you know she's getting all these love letters? The prison has confirmed to us that she receives multiple letters. And then she runs a Twitter account through a friend. And that friend posts that people write to her all the time. Alexis Terezchuk, RadarOnline.com. Are these men sending her money? Are they insane? Yes, people send her so much money. They send her, they have to send it through the prison system, but they have it because she has a huge fat account in the jail commissary. Okay, so if they're sending her money, Alexis Terezchuk, what is she doing with it? I mean, what's there to spend it on behind bars? She is spending all of her money at the commissary on a variety of things. But the thing that struck me the most is that she's buying toothbrushes, which Teresa Judice told us that she learned when she was in prison that that can be used as a sex toy behind bars. She shops relentlessly at the canteen. She buys canned sardines. She buys Doritos. She buys pudding. She buys desserts. She buys cookies. She also buys Beano, which, you know, can treat her stomach problems. She buys pretzels, cookies, crackers, any sort of junk food that is on there, Jody is buying it. Alexis, I understand that she's treated like a celebrity behind bars. What does that entail? She is quite popular behind bars. She is the one that everybody goes to. She Well, she claims that she gives other people, she buys things from the commissary to give to other people. Those people behind bars are not as lucky as she is. But there have been other inmates who are also locked up in the same prison who have revealed that people get in fights with Jody and that she's often mouthing off in the shared courtyard. Is it true that she has um, privileges to get on the Internet? And if so, write the lovelorn men that are contacting her? She does go to the library. She actually works in the library. She is a library aide, and she has said that the library books in this prison are just terrible. So she's asked people, she started book drives behind bars to ask people to send things that people would want to read. But the prison is very strict about what you can get, and so there are many mostly religious books and probably what you would call smut books, you know, romance books. Um, she does not have access to the Internet, but she speaks with folks on the outside that do have access to the Internet. So that's how she keeps in touch with everybody through her Twitter account. And the love letter, she can write as many as she wants, and she just has to buy stamps, but she has basically unlimited funds in her account. So she is able to buy the stamps to send letters back to everybody that writes to her. But she has often said, oh, I can't write to everybody, as if she has anything else to do. Alexis Therese Chuck. What can you tell me about claims that she gets privileges behind bars? Jody Arias does not get any special privileges behind bars, but because she cannot behave. In fact, she was disciplined within her first couple of months of being there. She yelled at a guard and called the guard a blocker because he wouldn't let her get a haircut that she wanted, even though she had no privileges to get a haircut. 
and then when she was disciplined, she said, oh, I didn't know that that word was a bad word. I just looked it up in the Urban Dictionary. So she was disciplined for months on end. She lost her visitation privileges. I understand that Jody Arias perceives herself to be quite the artiste, okay? And she could be selling her artwork online. Is that true? Let me say, is that still true? Because I've seen some of it. To me, it looks like she's just tracing pictures out of magazines, but that, I'm no art critic, Alexis. You tell me. Jody Arias was drawing so many pieces of art, and you are right. They did look like she traced things because it was such an exact copy of things from magazines, ads, and even in one picture, everybody thought it looked just like Travis Alexander's sister, which was so disrespectful. But since she has been in this prison, she's not allowed to sell it or profit off of this, but she is sending people her artwork, and it's on her website from before. So if people wanted to go check that out, jodiarius.com has her art. It's disgusting. To Dr. Bethany Marshall, uh, psychoanalyst joining me out of L.A., Dr. Bethany Behind bars, she's somewhat of a celebrity. She gets hundreds of love letters. People put money in her commissary account. She, quote, draws, end quote, in other words, traces other drawings and then sells them. It's quite the life, quite the life, Dr. Bethany. Explain how is she still manipulating people from <laughs> well, behind she's bars? she's highly manipulative. You know, I was thinking about borderline personality disorder as you were talking to Alexis. You know, she definitely has borderline personality disorder. And I, I actually was looking it up in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And one of the characteristics is intense, unstable, and conflicted close relationships marked by mistrust, neediness, and anxious preoccupation with real or imagined abandonment. Close relationships often viewed in extremes of idealization and devaluation alternating between over-involvement and withdrawal. And I can see that in her relationship with Travis Alexander, that it started with the idealization and then it went through to the devaluation. The idealization is when he was dating her, right? When they were together, when they were going out. And then do you remember that she found out that he was planning a vacation with another woman? Then it went from the idealization to the devaluation. And that's when she started to plot her revenge. You know, not only was she preoccupied with killing him, but she was absolutely obsessed with him. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. 
Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zyn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I guarantee you that Jody Arias, to this day, thinks that she's the victim behind bars. Joining me right now, Alexis Tereschuk, investigative reporter and journalist for RadarOnline.com. Alexis, you and I covered the Arias murder trial together as well as the death penalty phase. For those who don't know about Jody Arias and her murder conviction, please explain what happened to Travis Alexander when he tried to break up with her. She plotted his murder lured him in you know went down to his house in Arizona but but it took her four days to get there she stopped along the way to buy a bunch of things that she was going to use where she ended up slaughtering him she attacked him while he was in the wait a minute though Alexis hold on hold on you're skipping some good stuff because when she travels you know I, I don't know how many hundreds of miles to go murder him she did not want to leave a trail describe it Alexis so she rented a car in Northern California, about 60 miles away from her house, so nobody would recognize her. She First, they gave her a red car. She said, I don't want a red car. That's too noticeable. I want something different because she didn't want the cops to see her. She then hid out with a boyfriend in another town. She dyed her hair back to its natural brunette from the bleach blonde she's been sporting. She then bought a gas can, had multiple gas cans in her car, filled them up with gas, not using a credit card so that she couldn't be traced and then trekked across the desert hiding when she was so she couldn't be stopped anywhere and had no record of her being near Travis. Now, I don't recall that he knew she was coming. They'd had a couple of phone calls. She had called him repeatedly, but once she entered the area near his house, she turned off her phone and did not turn it back on until hours after she murdered him to hide the fact that she was even at his house. She was very devious. She knew exactly what to do She to try to cover her tracks. What do you think was the motive, Alexis, and why? Jody Arias was jealous that Travis Alexander had moved on. He didn't want to date her anymore. He did not want to be her boyfriend. And he was actually even going on a trip down to Cancun with another girl. And it was a company trip, and she had worked for this company. So she was humiliated, but she was filled with rage because he wouldn't be her boyfriend and he didn't love her and he treated her like she felt like trash they had sex he didn't care he lied about it because he was a mormon and he but he moved on and she could never move on and she thought if i can't have him no one else will she literally left travis alexander's home with blood on her hands okay blood on her hands drives for hours to get to her next boyfriend and literally hops on top of him and straddles him wow she didn't waste any time. She did not at all. 27 hours in the car, whatever it was, with her gun that she had brought, the police 
her parents, her grandparents, who she lived with, had had a break-in, and surprisingly the only thing stolen was the gun, which is the same caliber of gun that was used to shoot Travis. Alexis, the fact that they were part of the Mormon religion seemed to, uh, it was like a curiosity to so many people. Why is that? I think it's because the Mormon religion is not as familiar to people across the country as as other religions of Christianity. And so people tend to have, have thought of it as a cult. And so they saw that this there was this, what many people called, you know, a ritualistic murder, which it wasn't. It was just Jody going crazy and murdering somebody. And, and they tied it into this church, but also because there were visual images of it. When Jody met Travis, he was a very well-respected member of the church, and he brought her into the church, and she was baptized and became a member of the church. So there was a photograph of her baptism. And so when people have visual images of things they can see, it makes it so much more compelling. And then she dragged in the fact that after she got baptized, I think she said that she and Travis had sex, and I'm not sure what kind of sex I'm allowed to say on your show. So let's just say not the regular was, sex, and in some states right. it's still considered sodomy. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so it just made it so much more salacious. And Travis was such an upstanding member of this church, and people loved him, and he, he was such a good person. And so she joined the church only because of him. And in fact, after she was convicted, church kicked her out, excommunicated her, said they did not want her in. Alexis Terezchuk, investigative reporter with RadarOnline.com. I understand that Jody Arias, the murderer, is mounting an appeal. What's that all about? So, yes, she has filed an appeal. She has her attorneys, and she has a slew of complaints. She says she blames her first attorney, Kirk Nurmi, for inappropriate actions with her, saying that, the way that he spoke to the jury about her saying at, at the closing argument, nine out of 10 days, I hate Jody Arias too, but just because you hate her doesn't mean she's guilty. And she said that the fact that he wrote a book compromised her legal advice and she wants the appeals court to overturn her conviction because she has a bad lawyer. She had a bad lawyer. She also says that the prosecutor acted inappropriately, which I believe he's been investigated and no charges or actions have been taken against him. And she just wants every excuse in the book to get out of the fact that she not only murdered her boyfriend, but confessed to it on the stand. Take a listen to what the jury heard. Would you agree that you're the person who actually slit Mr. Alexander's throat from ear to ear? Yes. Would you also agree that you're the individual that stabbed him in the upper torso? Yes. And you're doing all of this to, in the, according to your version of events, you're doing to this to this individual after you have already shot him, right? Yes. Correct? I believe so. Well, no. Do you remember previously talking to us about how he was coming at you and he was this horrible man with his mean face? Do you remember telling me that? Yes, I didn't say he was horrible. Okay. Thank you for correcting me, but do you remember telling us that he was a mean man? Not today. Well, Not today. previously, previously you did say that he was a mean man, correct? I think I did, yes. 
And on this particular occasion, you told us that he was cursing at you, right? Yes. And that he threw you down, right? Yes. That he chased you down, right? Yes. And this is the individual that you shot first, right? I didn't know if I shot him. I just ran it off. The gun went off, right? You can at least acknowledge that. Correct? Yes. That's something that you did here, correct? Yes. You know what's scary, Alexis, is like Charles Manson, whose death sentence was commuted to life, Manson went before a parole board over and over before he finally died, basically of old age. I fear one day Jody Arias is going to walk free. What do you think? I hope not. I hope that Jody Arias serves her natural life in prison behind bars. I do not think after attending the trial and living that trial for so many years, I do not think that the appeals court will overturn it. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Jody Arias is convicted of murdering her lover, stabbing him 26 times, leaving his dead body slumped over in the shower, shooting him in the head. I remember the shocking scenario that was proven by physical evidence, unrefuted, that he was standing at his bathroom mirror and blood was dripping down and he saw himself dying. I remember it like it was yesterday. For me, it's a memory. For his family, it's never-ending pain. Today, our thoughts with the family of Travis Alexander and a life cut short. I think about them so often. How are they doing now? They are doing well with their lives. They were devastated when Travis was killed by Jody and even more crushed by the antics that she pulled in the courtroom and with all of her interviews and trying to say that he was a child molester and really drag him through the mud. But they celebrate his life. However, Jody needles them relentlessly. Whenever she has to send them a check, a restitution check, it just brings back the reminder of how upset they were and how terrible she is. And she has this miserable little job where she makes 40 cents an hour, and so she sends them a $500 check here and there. And it just is a reminder of how she is still alive and their beloved Travis is not. We can't go any further without pointing out that it was Jody Arias herself who dragged sex into this trial, not the prosecutor. Speaking of the prosecutor, Alexis, how is Martinez? Juan Martinez is fine. He became quite a celebrity. He is still prosecuting cases, and he's known as a real bulldog in the legal community. Well, that leads me to the defense attorney, Kirk Nurmi, who tried over and over and over to get off this case. How is Kirk Nurmi doing now? Kirk had a tough time. After the trial, he was diagnosed with cancer, and he has said repeatedly, he told me, I'm sure he's told you, that he believes working with Jody Arias exacerbated his cancer, caused him to have cancer. It was so stressful. He hated her. He felt like she was the worst client he'd ever had. He did try to get off the case, repeatedly begged the judges to let them let him go, and it, he wouldn't. But he has said, I gave her a great defense. She admitted she killed her boyfriend. 
she murdered him, and I protected her from the death penalty. So she should be very thankful because she would have gotten the death penalty if it wasn't for me. I was thinking about all those phone sex tapes. Take a listen to this. Yeah, you are right, though, in the bath. Oh, God. Oh, when we took a bath together? Uh-huh. That was, that was surreal, like, honestly. And I think, I mean, maybe the candlelight and the bubbles all had something to do with it, but you were amazing. You made me, seriously, you made me feel like a goddess. Like, I wasn't saying you were, like, worshiping me, but you were, you made me feel like I was the most freaking beautiful woman on the whole planet. Like, I so felt like I was the goddess. <laughs> and so, aside from all those warm, fuzzy feelings, but, like, it was it was so sexy, and it was so hot, and, oh, gosh. Oh, I know that. It wasn't hard to make you feel that way, because you were freaking, you, you were hot. It, it, you were, you are. Seriously, honey, I don't want to right now for that, because I'm touching your stuff. Yeah, I'm already. <laughs> right. I just started. I'm gonna tie you to a tree and. What's that? I'm gonna tie you to a tree and. Oh my gosh. That is so debasing. I like it. <laughs> Joining me, a very special guest, Kirk Nurmi, the. Jody Arias, defense lawyer and author of a bestseller, Trapped with Ms. Arias. You can find it on Amazon.com. You know, Kirk, aside of a calculated attack on you after you and the rest of your team had sat there and given your blood, sweat and tears during that trial, just taken so much abuse, not from just Arias, but really everyone, the whole public was against you. And to this day, you believe it contributed to you getting cancer. You know, that's what malignant means. Mal, worry, bad. That, that's what malignant means. Do you really believe that, Kirk? I do. I mean, obviously, there's no way to prove it scientifically, but in my heart. Keep in mind, I was assigned Miss Arias's case in 2009. Thus, she was a part of my life against my wishes from probably 2010 to 2015 and everything that went along with defending her having her attack me in interviews things of that nature um, caused great concern to me about my safety and that of my wife yes I do over those years I believe that it eventually added up and that's what turned my healthy blood cells into cancerous tumors. Her trial turned into an international Barnum & Bailey circus where Nermi was, against his will, elected ringmaster. I want to hear what it was like. See, I, I always saw her at a distance, like looking at a, a tarantula in a glass box. I was at a distance, of course, except for the time she shot a bird at me in court. Um, but needless to say, she wasn't the first and no doubt won't be the last. But Kirk, what was it like being with her? Why was there such a contentious relationship between you two? Well, obviously, a lot of that is privileged. But, um, you know, my job, the way I look at it anyway, is, is a detachment. Um, I'm not there to support what she did. Uh, I'm not there to I'm just there to help her support her story. I'm not there to be her friend. and. Um, 
you know, that without saying too much, I think that speaks volumes. I'm trying to, I'm trying to interpret that in your book, trapped with Miss Arias, you touch on so many different topics. What do you think was the biggest bombshell in your book? Uh, I think some of the, the probably the biggest bombshell was talking about that attachment she had, um, and this kind of correlates to what I said earlier about her kind of at some point in time viewing me as her boyfriend. I was the most significant man in her life, and I was there to do a job. I was not there to be her friend or uh, supporter in any way other than to advocate her case in the courtroom. Alexis, what's your take on Jody Arias? Jody Arias is a psychopath. She, you know, because she spoke about you all the time. I think she even one time dragged her finger across her throat like she wanted to cut your throat. She has called me personally crazy after I wrote stories, literally facts from the prison about her, called me obsessed with her. I am not obsessed with her. You are not obsessed with her. We are obsessed with getting the truth and justice for people that were involved in this case meaning Travis Alexander. She has a huge ego, even locked up behind bars. The world revolves only around Jody Arias. She was a liar. She was a proven liar. She was very sneaky, and she very methodically planned Travis Alexander's murder. Alexis, do you remember the day she shot a bird at me in the courtroom? That's just something I will never forget. I do remember that. She turned around and and pulled her middle finger up on her chin. Everybody was stunned. The whole country was stunned. It was amazing. She has no sense of what is right or wrong, and she just thought she was wrongly accused of killing her boyfriend, even though she admitted. I'll always have our time in court together when she shot a bird at me. We'll always have Arizona, my happy memories of Jody Arias. But you know what? I have to say that I've met an American Idol because Jody Arias did win American Idol behind bars. Take a listen. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner.
The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy.